0: Nice. It's mm-hmm. anchored and devoted. I'm pastor. We're Jeremy. back. Really? What, what voice is that? <laughs> I assume there's something wrong with my. Is, that your, poli- is that your politician voice? we're going to vote for you? <laughs> vote, Jerbear. <laughs> vote, Jerbear. Because he cares. He cares. Love, vote, vote for me. I
1: care. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs>
0: Oh we're glad you guys are
1: here with us this morning with this mess, this travesty, this,
0: uh, <laughs> this, this train wreck we delight. Call
1: love. <laughs> It's love. We're going to really. be in, in a different 316 today. We've already covered John 316. Today we're going to cover 2 Timothy 316, a book, and a letter written from Paul to his disciple Timothy. And we're going to look at this continuing on in our here focus. Ta-da. That's H-E-A-R, not H-E-R-E. But Dave, would you uh, would you apply some scripture to us,
0: please? Okay, I'm gonna mess it up just to mess with you. So I'm gonna do the NIV just to be silly. Um, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Again, I know you love that version, Jer. Um, I know it's your favorite. Um, also from the New English translation, every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Well, mean, we got, can
1: we hit the henna clause there? Can we Can we use the uh, so that in 17?
0: I, I, we could, but I was going to do the ESV as well. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now you want verse 17? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, what's
1: 17 saying?
0: tell you what hold that
1: let's come back to verse 17 after we talk about 16
0: okay let's, I was just, going to let's, say, let's, let's yeah okay okay this is you're huge. in charge this, clearly this, with your political voice i yield to your guys here, here here's what i'd like to do i'd like to
1: first talk about 16 and then we can move to 17
0: all scripture <laughs> anyway the all here's an actual all um it's not yeah, the
1: this is this is one of those this, big capital letter a it,
0: this is not the you know the social all where i got 30% then it's all of us agree or if i have 51% all of us agree no this is the it's 100% all scripture is breathed out by god it's given by god is um it's a blessing to know that scripture is distinct It is not my best thoughts put into a book. It is not your best thoughts passed down from generation to generation. Um, You know, it is something that God has given to us just as he breathed into man. Um, That's something special. He's breathed into the scriptures so that. He's there. It's not just uh empty words or again just a story. Um, it's not just history. There's more to it. Um, and that's why I, on. when you engage with it, you're able to be sharpened, you're able to hear from him, you're able to know him. It, again, it's different. This isn't um a, a book of wisdom. Yes, there's wisdom in it, but it isn't a book of wisdom. Um
1: Right. It's not a book of maxims. It's not a book of Saints for like this isn't Aesop's fables. This isn't like, Sun Tzu's art of war here, are things that will make your life better. It's more than that. The claim here is it's significantly more than that.
0: It's and scripture.
1: this is this is huge because this separates out this separates out the Christian from beliefs that, that go back, and you know, arguments that go back within the church thousands of years what is scripture what is the bible what is god's word how did we get it where did he come from is it just a collection of thoughts from some fishermen from galilee from 2000 years ago is it the uh the didactic writings of some angry guy named saul who decided to change and write under a pseudonym paul so that people would would read his texts or is it more and What's, there are a couple of things really critical here. The, the all, which you touched on, is huge. Because it in this case, this is scripture testifying to itself. And when it says all, either we take that as true or we take that as Paul's opinion. If it's just Paul's opinion, then it undercuts the statement that he's made. If it's just Paul's opinion that all scripture is inspired by God and given for these reasons, then Paul could be wrong. And if Paul's wrong, then the, the, the outgrowth <laughs> of that, out, the outflow of that is, well, scripture's untrustworthy.
0: Correct. This isn't I actually need, from God. Yeah. I need to judge it myself. I need to prune it myself. This is then it becomes one of those things where I can go into it with I need to judge it. That's right. Versus I need to yield to it even when it's uncomfortable. And right. that's that's that mindset of me being in charge is easy for me to embrace when um, I don't go like an, something. I think
1: it it's hard for us to to push back against. It's really hard for us to push back against because it's scary. It it a means that my judgment isn't final. It b means that there's someone bigger than me outside of me that I'm responsible to who's going to say no you got that right or yes you got that wrong or yes you got that right or no you got that wrong. Someone who will and can hold me accountable for what I think Mm. and what I do. That's not me. I can't just follow my own inner light, my own inner spirit and say, oh, well, you know, I was convinced within myself that this was the right thing. So I did it. Mm. Paul is either correct here. The testimony of scripture about itself is true or it's not. If it's not true, then no, no scripture is trustworthy because this is a part of scripture. And if this one verse in the whole thing is not trustworthy, then none of it's trustworthy. If it is trustworthy, and that's to say, if it is true, then that first part, all, is also true. And if all is also true, that means it's not just that the things that we like or the things that jive with us, the things that we understand, the things that we can make sense of are inspired, but even the things that we can't even the things that we would rather, as Thomas Jefferson did, cut out of our Bibles, even the things that we would reject and say, I don't like this God, all of it is true. This is really a zero-sum game. And if, and Paul was really clear on this, there are a couple things that, that rise or fall in this. Either Christ rose from the dead, or we are all wasting our time. Either all scripture is given and inspired by God, or we're wasting our time, and whoever Jesus was does not matter because we cannot trust the testimony that's been given. When we were talking back in the uh, thing we were talking back in John, First uh, John, which then I also said First John <laughs> when we did John one 1-1 one or one fourteen, I called it John First John one fourteen. I was like I was listening to that after. I was like, man, I'm such an idiot. Don't don't trust that guy. He's he's really not very smart. And uh I'm reading a book right now. And in this book, I need Hope some so. caffeine, Dave. Is there any caffeine?
0: <laughs> I don't know what is the matter with you this this morning. I'm trying, I'm trying to roll with you, but
1: all right. So I'm reading the book extra. right now, right? I'm reading the book by a pastor, a theologian. And in this book, she writes about her understanding of where scripture came from. And at a, at a pretty young age. Um, you know, old enough to understand, but young enough to really walk in hope. Her best understanding was basically that God, you know, this disembodied hand reaches out from heaven and drops a book onto the heads of we humans. The question of how did we get the word of God? How did we get the Bible? Uh, I want to separate this out from Jesus. Because when, when we're talking here about the Scripture, Paul's really clear. He uses the word graphene, the writings. He's specifically talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the Pentateuch. He's talking about the history. He's talking about the prophets. He's saying all of this is inspired. And then in First Peter, Peter looks back at actually Paul's writings and say, when men were moved by God, they gave us the scripture. So, So Peter actually uh, looks back and ratifies Paul's statement here as being true and inspired by God by saying that Paul's one of the ones who were inspired. What this means is that as scripture, as Moses was writing down the first five books of the Old Testament, He wasn't simply writing under his own power. He was, in the words of one professor that that we had, he was superintended by the Holy Spirit so that all of the words that he wrote were accurately and rightly, both in their individual parts and in their whole message, the words that God was giving to him to write using the very specific Circumstances and experiences of Moses's life to communicate God's message to His people authentically, accurately, and truly. That's what we mean when we say inspired. And this word "inspired" is a—it's an interesting Greek word. It's not used anywhere else. It literally means God breathed. So when you read those three translations, the the reason that some say inspired, some say given, some say God breathed, the reason that we say that is because the the Greek word is literally a compound word that says God breathed, and it doesn't have a, a direct translation in other places because it's not used other places. It's, it, Paul used this to say this is how God did it, and as you point out, the same way that God breathed into Adam and caused him to come alive, God breathed out his words and caused these individuals who wrote the scripture to accurately write down what God was saying. Because of that, it's not only trustworthy, but it's controlling. And that's where we get to the second half of this verse. And then we get to verse 17 afterwards. But the second half of this verse says it is useful for correcting, rebuking, exhorting, and training to righteousness, which is where the rub really comes in, right? Because I'd really like to be righteous. Without having to be exhorted and trained in rebuked.
0: <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. I, I like, yeah, I like that. It, I like the teaching, and I like the righteousness. I can skip the middle, mm-hmm. reproving correction. Yeah, I can, I, I, I can take a hard pass on that one. Um, I, I do think that you know we have to pause and say culturally that when you look at teaching, when this was written, the teaching was very different. And we assume that it's teaching in a classroom, as opposed to um, the, the discipleship process. Um, the process we see um, in um, trade schools and other places where um, you have to intern with someone uh, for a long time to be certified more than just the head, but the hands and the feet, and the heart are right. all together, and you're able to do the work. And And so it is profitable for teaching, and part of that is the reproof and correction, which, if you're used to a disciplined model, makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But that that is an area where currently in the church we are lacking. um, For certain. Mm -hmm. Um, I was reading through one of my not favorite books, uh, Numbers. Um. And looking at all the detail when it came to um, the Levites and going into the temple and the clothes that they wear and how mm-hmm. many offerings and one fourth of this and half of this and a quarter of this and all the discipline that it would be required for the purity offering versus the worship offering versus the apology offering versus the guilt offering, That's right? Um. It's impressive. Um, but then also to know you get to eat this, who eats this versus it's holy versus unholy. It's got to be eaten in 24 hours versus God is a God who, um, again, delights in our obedience and knows that we work better um, in spaces where we have boundaries and structure and rules, just to be honest, because mm-hmm. He created us. And so, out of that when we don't have them, we must be corrected, we must be trained, we must um, be reproofed. And um, when it comes to looking at the life of leaders, and I'll take a rabbit trail here, um, looking at the life of uh, Saul, um, we know that um, Scripture was not his priority. We don't see in his story where he, like David, was having it read to him and, and meditating on it in a way that um, would challenge his heart. Um, we look at you know David's uh, son, the one who wanted to overthrow his dad. Um, again, we we don't see the same engagement um, to the space of being corrected. And then on the flip side, when it came to David with Bathsheba, clearly. He didn't see because he was blind um and to know that um you need um, yeah. god to open your eyes and so being willing um to be trained in righteousness requires at least to be trained in righteousness requires me to be open to the discomfort that siblings in Christ bring because they can see things that I can't see. That's correct. Yep. Um, and so that's part of that training in righteousness. That training in righteousness doesn't occur in isolation or on an island. Um, it occurs out of an outgrowth of seeing things or at least having the opportunity to do things in a way that's improper. And you're doing it in a way that glorifies God, which means you have to be around others. And often, often, we're quick to point out, to tear down, um, to destroy the things that others are doing because we feel we're righteous and we can do it better. Or we can judge, we can um, uh, put ourselves in the place that God belongs, when in reality God has put that person there despite... My thoughts about them. (laughs) Clearly, I'm not God. Um, And so to know that when it comes to Scripture, I need to explore with God. Yeah. His teaching. Explore and embrace the reproof and the correction. Even though I hate it, I need to know that it's for my good. Therefore, in that, it is to glorify Him. I need to be in relationship with others so that as God grows me in righteousness, I am able to share that with others just as they shared it with me. And that doing it in a right way is an outgrowth of following Him. It is not simply um, a pride unto self or a Pharisaical life. It's a life that is humbled because often, um, it it just doesn't make sense. Well, this is
1: what he says in verse seventeen. When he after saying this, that it's, it's useful for teaching and exhortation, mm-hmm. or rebuke and training, so that the man of God may be complete, not lacking any good thing. This is the purpose, the That's reason it. that God has given us is not just for righteousness, because righteousness has to be achieved. It's in order that we. May be made righteous through the washing and the work of God's word in our lives on a day-to-day basis, and this is this is the joy of it, which we're going to see. We're going to look at a verse in the Psalms in a, in a couple of weeks here, still on the same topic. But the joy of this is, God did this not because He says, "Hey, you guys, be righteous." It's because He loves us. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to say, hey, I know that you guys, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So I'm going to make a way for you to be made righteous and to save you from the wrath that you deserve. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, hey, I gave you a chance. You blew it. You know, it's like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You have 30 seconds, sir. Had your time. Muffed it. Good day. He could have done that. And he would have he would not have been wrong to do that. In fact, he would have been righteous to do it. But
0: instead (laughs) of doing that, not episode. (laughs) Not only did
1: he send his son, okay, but then he also gives us the tools that are necessary so that we can be changed. And it's not the word by itself. It's not well if you you know if you memorize the Bible and if you hit your head on it seventeen times a day and if you eat the pages literally then you can be made righteous. It is the work of those words, of God's words, inscribed there in scripture, having their work in your life as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and changing you and making you into a new person until you are finally and totally saved when Christ receives you home. He did this for our good. He, He gave this to us because he loves us. And yeah, that means the rules, the expectations, the condemnation, they're there out of his love. And that's something that it, for the past hundred years, at least in our society, much of our society has found that really, really hard to accept. That a God would give rules and would condemn sin because he loves us. And you know, without being too condescending, I do feel for for someone who has had a lack of experience with loving friends and loving parents, such that this idea doesn't make sense, that this idea seems uh, distasteful or even anathema because when when that happens, What God has given us out of love for our good, we end up rejecting. And then we end up saying things like, well, we can't really trust it anyway, because this is just Mm -hmm. written by some guys 2,000 years ago, and there's all these contradictions, and there's all these things that show God being a mean old white guy, or a vindictive, brutal killer. And so I really like what this person did here in scripture, but I'm going to, and I'll model my life after that, but I'm going to take the rest of it and just kind of put it over here in the in the corner and say no that's that's old way of thinking yeah, this is
0: a new I, way of god i personally don't see any contradictions my issue is how can i judge a god who can create something out of nothing with his words how can i say that there would be a contradiction we can debate it i have no problem with that you know, apologetics, we've talked about that. I have no problem with debating things that people view differently. I, we can talk about the different um, ways that seminarians go at the Bible and try and pull it apart to relate and say these are issues. I have no, I personally don't have a problem with these issues, honestly, because the core thing is still the same. And the work that I'm supposed to do is the same. And that work is I'm supposed to love as God has loved me, and encourage people to know Him, and out of that, get them to engage with His Word, because it's active and living and sharp. And so, it's real. That's the case. When I talk to a friend who tells me one day they're considering quitting their job, and then three weeks later, they're in love with their work, I don't see that as an issue. I see them as an individual. And yet I can't go to scripture and see God as God. Instead of me again, trying to put my definition of how God should be. I'm just, that's just me. Other people can be different. I hear what you're saying.
1: And I, I I understand what you're saying. I think that there are nuances that I'm not going to take the time now to Oh, no, I think they're are... discussed because I know that you know them as well, and yes, I, do. I don't think that's the purpose here of, of <laughs> no. this particular
0: no that's episode not the of
1: craziness. <laughs>
0: it's, it's it's more to focus on the relationship and understand that you are to relate with God through His Word, just as you and bring all of yourself to it, not just the side that wants to memorize stuff and keep moving, but bring right. all of yourself. Bottom line, if
1: it is true, then it has. It has purchase on us. And if it's not true, let's forget about it. Go, go do whatever you want. Don't, Oop, there but, it is. but don't try to find some, some middle ground here of it's not really true, but I'm Correct. still going to live my life by it. Oh, that, that's, that's insanity. Correct. That's Correct. silliness. Correct. You, you're, you're more important to me than that. You know, and my, uh, my prayer is that God would continue to speak to each of us through Mm -hmm. his word, and to change us. It doesn't really matter whether you agree with me or disagree with me on on the points I've laid out here. My prayer is still that God would continue to speak to you and draw you. Because the God that has revealed himself in scripture, the God I know, the God I love, the God I serve, the God I worship, the God I obey, is big enough that he can take someone who totally rejects everything we've just said
0: and still woo them and change their hearts and mind, so that they go from someone who
1: distrusted and despised and belittles God and his word to someone who loves, trusts, and obeys. And in fact, those are the only people that God does that to. Just a little freebie at the end there.
0: Thanks for listening in. We love you. We're sorry for our foolishness, but not for God's word. Amen to that. Fanatics, have a blessed, blessed day, and we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. -bye.